warning. The following podcast contains coarse language and spoilers for the film and the title of the podcast. Now hit me with that theme. Now playing movie reviews in 20 cues. Hello. Yeah, okay. Hi, everyone. Yes, it is. That's the idea. Somebody forced me to watch a movie and look look what's happening. Hello, everyone. What a poor Heaven forbid these guys that I forced to watch movies all the fucking time. Heaven forbid that they have forced me to watch one movie, and they've done it. It's Devil Wears Prada. Joining me is Stacey, one of those voices here in the background. How are you, Stace? How's it going? I'm super excited to be here today. You're super excited to see me talk about this film as well, aren't I you? Am. You've been I, brimming with excitement was... two days since we watched <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. I was so happy to think that you were watching it. We were in a different city at the time we watched this, which is quite unusual. Stacey has very different fetishes from most people. people listeners, <laughs> is what we've listened, learned from that conversation. Yes. If this is what makes you excited, then good for you, Stacey. I'll voice Liz. Liz yeah. is actually in the studio with us. Now I'm kind of regretting it after like getting involved in one of your fetish conversations, I have to say. But no, it's uh, very exciting to be here, Stacey. Yes. Yay! Um, um, yeah, I, I'm up for the weekend and yeah, we're, we're chilling out. Yes. In the studio. As yes. I mentioned, the film we're doing, Devil Wears Prada, which basic plot of the film, Andy is a young graduate aspiring to be a journalist. She comes to New York and becomes an assistant to one of the city's biggest magazine editors, the ruthless and cynical Miranda Presley, starring Anne Hathaway as Andrea Sachs, okay, Andy, Meryl Streep as Miranda Presley, Emily Blunt as Emily Charlton. <laughs> I always love that. Do you think they're like, oh, look, I just, I can't be bothered trying to remember that I have a different name this time. Just call me my own name, please. <laughs> like, I just. Maybe. And Sally Tucci as Nigel came out in 2006, has a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb, 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 62% on Metacritic. <sighs> okay, Here we go. So what's your score, Sam? Here we go. You, what, no, I'm <laughs> Why don't hosting. you start us off? Yeah. Why, why don't you host the rest of this, Liz? This was your choice. I'll do the blurb. I'm pretty you can, sure it was M's choice. It was no. You've been petitioning this yeah, for I like ages. This film. It's just a good. You've film. been scratching to do this for ages. Okay, we've been sure. poking your back with a stick, but you got out of your cage, and now look what we're doing. We're <laughs> doing right. this. I'll do the blurb, and then you can start us off and all that sort of shit. Haven't heard this podcast before. What we do is we review a movie by asking twenty weird and wonderful questions about it. Start with a sandwich question. We then move through nine questions that can be applied to any film before three personal questions and finishing on either a listener. Or a Patreon question. This week, it is a listener question. Excellent blurbing, Sam. Well There's done. There's the blurb. What's our <laughs> first question, Liz, even though I've just said it? What's All our right. first question? All right. Um, I would like to hear your guys' uh, compliment sandwich or otherwise. So, um, Stacey, would you like to take it away? I'd love to. Okay. My first good thing about this film is Stanley Tucci. He's so good. If he wasn't in this film, well, there would be no... No real other male characters except for boyfriends. He's almost right? like with that. almost like the true MVP of this film, isn't he? Almost. Almost. My bad thing is I just this is a personal preference only, but I just can't get past Anne Hathaway. I do not like her. That's why we got married, babe. <laughs> so weird. I think she's so cute. I just don't understand it, but it just she grates on me, so I'm sorry. And my final good thing is I loved the fashion montage scene um, where she gets all dressed up and she's walking through New York and she's got all these different outfits and oh. hairstyles and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this is the whole movie. If it finished now, I wouldn't care. It was so good. Fair <laughs> enough. As a score out of 10,000 turquoise belts. 
I actually think the IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes guys were bang on around the 7,521 There's mark. a lot of bouts. Yeah. A lot of bouts. Uh, my first good thing. Is it my last good thing? It could well be. I'm prepared could be. for it. The first two thirds of this film are actually really enjoyable, right? Uh, it was well paced. It was intriguing. Literally could have turned into a horror film. Would have loved it. It was awesome. Final third? <laughs> didn't enjoy it. It just started getting like, like I know this is supposed to be a comedy as well as a drama, but it just started getting way too slapstick and ridiculous. And like they're introducing like the love affair of the swanky goddamn, what's his name again? Christian guy. I was just like, oh, this is, there's too many elements that are going to introduce that don't really need to be there. But then final good thing, yes, this is getting a compliment sandwich, is that I, I surprising end for me. It left things open. Ooh, wa- it did. Hmm. Left things op- like wide open. Like We've got questions about this yeah. later. So I don't want to spoil it. But it left it with enough like ambiguity there that you're like, there's no neatly tied bows. You know, there's no comeuppance for a character. There's no... You know, like she didn't drop kick Miranda Priestley out of a window, which would would have made fucking sense. But, but it's quite realistic. Like it was just kind of like, well, this is life, so it continues. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, how many belts for you, Sam? Uh, so, as a score out of ten thousand cerulean turquoise, I've changed my mind on what the color was. Belts? <laughs> Who cares? It's all the same. Six thousand five. <laughs> I don't think you learned anything from this film, Sam. <laughs> Six thousand and five. All right. Oh, wow. that's quite a good score yeah, from you. It's better than I expected. I mean, I like. I do think that this film is a good film. It's aside always... from my one bad thing, which was like it felt so grounded in reality, and it was just like. I mean, aside from the fact that I like, I've got a question about this. Aside from the fact that I feel like this girl would have told her to get fucked and walked out of this job long fucking time ago. At the same time, it seems real until the final third. What about you, Liz? Yeah. What do you got? All right. So, um, I am starting off my sandwich with. Uh, actually, my sandwich is not too dissimilar f- to Stacey's in a couple of ways. So my first one is the actresses. So I just, you know, I actually love Meryl Streep. I love Anne Hathaway and I love Emily Blunt. I think all three of them are excellent. I don't care what you guys say. But I just felt like they all meshed really well. They really owned their roles. Like, it was just really nice. And, like, come on, it had Meryl Streep. Like, she's just fantastic. And she was – I don't think anyone could have done Anna Wintour the same justification. I think I broke Sam, so that's no, 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 yeah. listeners. He's see what happens when Liz says something I completely disagree with, and I'm going to bring up later on the podcast. Is I usually just slide my head away from the video camera so she can't see me, <laughs> and I've got to hide here. I'm covering up my face. I'm spinning around in my seat and hiding behind a curtain. This is hard. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I think you know, anyone too is like that would have been an interesting role to do, and I think she did a good job. My bad thing is I felt the movie kind of glamorized eating disorders. Like, it was all very, oh, you've got to get down to a four, you've got to get down to a two, let's get a stomach flu and, like, lose weight, and I only eat a cube of cheese, and it's all just sort of shown as quite, ha-ha-ha, and, well, it's just what you have to do to look good. And I think that was a bit disappointing, really. Like, I feel like they could have managed that a little bit more. Does it glamorize it or does it satirize it? No, but there wasn't anything that really made it look bad because no one, like, had any problems with that. They all just got to wear nice clothes once they lost weight. So it wasn't like it. You know, it was kind of seen as just this, oh, well, that's what you have to do to be in fashion. I thought it was a bit of a shame. And I, I realise that that is probably the case. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was going to say. I'm like, cognizant yeah, None of us are walking fucking catwalks anytime soon. But, um, hey. yeah, I was like, rude. Um, and, yeah, my final thing was the clothes. Like, I'm not even a massive fashion person, but it doesn't yeah. mean that I can't appreciate, like, yeah. a good outfit when it's put together. And, like, yeah. some of those are great. I do have to say I really did not like the orange poncho. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that was no, a pretty terrible No, that choice. was a bad pick, Nigel. Come on. Yeah, but he's like, to? you'll take what you're given. I'm like, nah. That, no, do you know what? That's what would have made me walk out like, 
If I have to wear this orange <laughs> poncho, I quit. Like, that is what is going to drive me out of here. Poncho is a bad choice. Playing yeah. into your um, last point, wasn't he picking that because it's the only thing he thought she would fit? Well, yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs> but it was just like, yeah, I'd be like, do you know what? It's just not worth it. Yeah, um, yeah I, I love this film. Like, I think the story all sort of flows nicely and stuff. I'm giving it 8,228 turquoise belts. Wow. Ooh. I've watched it a few times. It holds up on each vis- uh, watch, and, you know, I like it. Uh, so question number two is a Patreon question comes courtesy of the amazing man that is Dan Brennick of Netflix and Swill. Dan, you guys know, he's the, one of the guys behind Livestream for The Cure. He's the man. Uh, if you want to know anything about Netflix, his show is the show to check out. And what Dan would like to know is what? Who was the true MVP of this film? Already given my answer, Stanley Tucci. What do you got? Yeah, I think I don't, that was pretty much my answer too. Like, he's the one that actually just solves everyone's problems and has the only good answers for the yes. shots and like at the end like gives up his dream to for his friend and stuff like it's a no-brainer right yeah it's it is it's, yeah it is he's yeah. almost like needs to be ruled out of any movie he's in because stanley tucci is often the best performance oh, in everything he's, he's in fucking brilliant like hunger games like yeah. he stole the show in hunger yeah. games and his yeah. part's only like a bit part but it was so good yeah, yeah. easy a he was really good oh There's, i loved him in easy a yeah. yeah oh he's a he's a bloody legend eh? mm. like he absolutely is yeah did we all have Tucci? Would you? Yeah, we did. Okay, yeah. let's move over to Done. question number three. Nice and easy. Chris Yeni's question: What song would you have inserted into this film, and where, Liz? All right, so I tossed up a couple, but I'm going with um, the scene when um, Andy is sort of walking along towards right at the end of the film, when she's walking along the promenade with um, Christian and the Paris night light, and um, he starts kissing her, and they're obviously going to sleep together. Um, <laughs> He's, I think that the song should kick in. It's voulez-vous coucher avec moi? <laughs> Come on, it's obvious. It's so obvious and on the nose. And that's what this question's turned into. Oh, we all do. That was great. <laughs> so cheesy. I'm sure you've got something on the nose. How on the nose I are you? I do, absolutely. So I've already are you talk- a nasal cavity? Are you that on the nose? Yeah, I'm well, right. in the nose, actually. The yeah, nose. What am I saying? Okay. Are you the bridge? I don't know what's going on. I don't know either. Okay, so I've already talked about the scene. I love the fashion montage, but I just think it could have been jazzed up a bit with a bit of I'm too sexy. Nice. <laughs> would you like to sing a bit of it no, for us? No, I would not. Okay, so yeah, that was pretty on the nose. Here's my on the nose answer. There's a point at the end there where Miranda has broken Andy. She's literally broken her, got to a point where Andy's just like, nut. What do I do? What do I do? So imagine if the clash, should I stay or should I go, started playing at that point. Because if she stays, yes. if she goes, she'll be in trouble. But if she stays, it'll be double. Oh, yes. Uh, all right. We're up to question four. Yes. Comes courtesy of Dave Baker. Dave has his own Patreon at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. On it, he posts a ton of awesome content. What's his question, Liz? Hey, uh, he'd like to know which character would have the biggest social media following and on what platform? Oh, it's got to be Miranda for mm-hmm. sure. Hundred percent. I can't imagine her being too social media. She's she, not going. Yeah, anywhere. she's got a team yeah, of people yeah, yeah, on Instagram true, cultivating yeah. exactly. this perfect Instagram. Exactly. I don't yeah. know. Like, would Anna Wintour have a massive social media presence? Because that's who it's for, based on. For um, business um, purposes, yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't know. I've never actually looked. I don't but. think they wouldn't have time for their own personal account for like tweeting and yeah. stuff. But yeah. uh, there would absolutely be something where you like can follow Anna Wintour. Yes. Oh, look at this great. Uh, you know, this great outfit I spotted on blah, blah, blah. Or, yeah, you know, this and new stuff that you've never origins. seen it before, would be behind the scenes. I've got to ask you this. like, Do you reckon Anna Wintour would have a bigger Instagram following? Or would Giselle Bunchen have a bigger Instagram following? Because yeah, Giselle Bunchen's in this fucking film. 
But she's not herself, is she? She's, yeah, she's a, just she's a, a random. <laughs> she's talking to Al Bunchen. I don't give a shit. Look how hot she is. Right. Oh yeah, we have to. We haven't accounted for the icky man factor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the icky <laughs> man factor. That's a lot. Do you know how many people could not give a shit what could just how Bunchen thinks about anything, but still follow her? Yeah. Boobs. We didn't account for boobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point. I'd like to think that, that males have evolved past boobs, and now it's boobs, bum, and the face. <laughs> Oh, their faces. And their faces their as well. It's their entire body now. <laughs> I feel so much less sexualized. I feel like we've, yeah, exactly. We've evolved past. <laughs> Nick Haskins is up next. Nick's, Nick runs Nikolai's Kitchen, a cooking podcast. And also the founder, the godfather, the most amazing man there is in the podcasting world. Because he is the man behind Livestream for the Cure, which we are going to be on very, very soon. There will be... A trailer at the end of this, and we'll give you guys some more information when it's close to the time. Anyway, what's his question, Stacy? His question is, what type of meal is this movie? It's caviar. It's something very flashy <laughs> and expensive. Mm-hmm. And there's a demographic that really, really enjoys this. Not me. It's not really for me. Okay. But that doesn't mean that it's not a valid food. Oh, absolutely. Form. Exactly. <laughs> it's not shark fin soup or something like that. It's yeah, not yeah. something that's absolutely detestable and you've got no idea how the hell people like it. It's nothing like that. I mean, that. it is fish eggs. Well, yeah. it, okay, it's cucumber. I don't like cucumber, but a large percentage of the population I don't does. Like cucumber either. Hang it's on a sec. Flavor. Cucumber and caviar are totally different things, and they're not. No, meals. they're not. They both sell sea. They're not meals either. <laughs> Well, okay, actually, caviar probably, is a meal. I would I'd, say I'd caviar, caviar is a meal, meal for yes. these models. In the yeah, movie. it is. <laughs> like, that's probably yeah, it's a three-course meal over the entirety of a day. That yeah. is pretty much all they have. Okay. Um, oh, no, okay, fine. It's a cube of cheese. There you go. Yeah. You happy? <laughs> Everybody likes a cube of cheese. Except though. everyone does like a cube of cheese. God damn Just it. stick with caviar. Yeah, I'm going with caviar. Um, I am going to say a Michelin, like, three-star main course. Like, it's got – it does have all the things you need in a movie – but the concentration is more about how everything looks pretty. Like, it's all about the looks. And it, you look at it and you think, my God, that that is so beautiful. Like, such yeah. cool clothes and everything. But, like, then you have it and it tastes good and you like it. But it's it's not as, like, deep and meaningful. Like, it's not like a hearty stew or something. It's, it's a yeah. little delicate three-star Michelin meal. What about you, Stace? Okay. I agree with you. I think it is a leaning towards fine dining. That it's not small. It's a huge steak with like truffle butter or something like that. Oh, like she eats in the in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Well, she doesn't eat it. Oh, she did. Well, exactly. She throws it angrily in the sink. What a waste of fucking steak! Exactly. I was Someone like, bitch, needs that's going to be such a good steak. Eat yeah. it. Yeah. We're talking about bad things in the movie. Joy. That was my worst thing. Watching somebody <laughs> waste a steak is. I'd like rather be kicked in the steak. balls. Yeah, professionally cooked. This yeah. isn't like on Parks and Recreation where Ron's like, you call this a steak, take it away and bring me all the bacon eggs you have. Like, this yeah. was an actual steak. Yeah. Ron yeah. would have probably And surely it. that would bring you more joy, eating your boss's lunch and just being like, fuck you. Mm, delicious. <laughs> oh, I hate yeah, you. Pro- oh, this is so good. Protein yeah. is good for you, isn't it? Even if you're trying yeah. to be skinny. She needed to eat as much protein as she could. Um, all right, Sam, why don't you take us over to question six? Because I'm just, I'm just diving back in here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, question number six is a Patreon question as well. Comes courtesy of the amazing woman that is Emily Higgins. Emily's going to be on very soon with these two to do Cruella. I cannot wait to not watch that movie. It's going to be great. It looks uh, terrible. You are watching that movie regardless of whether you're recording a podcast. It depends on, on how many beers you get me. Anywho, Emily's question is, what movie would you pair with this to make a double feature? Okay, so 
when you're finished watching this film, like one of the key things that sort of sticks with you is, or like you think about it, is like, God, like uh, what were the horrible bosses that I've had or like who did I really hate as a boss? So I say that you just follow it up with the movie Horrible Bosses <laughs> so that you can like get that, that set because you probably go, oh God, and she didn't even win against her and like, you know, she like Miranda kind of won in the whole scheme of things. But now you can go and watch Horrible Bosses and see about people trying to murder their own bosses and see if that like, <laughs> makes you feel better about things. It does feel like a spiritual sequel, actually. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Does. Next level. I had a similar jumping off point at the end of the film. I was definitely curious as to the, um, you know, what the film was based on. And so I'd like to uh, pair this up with the September issue, which is a documentary about Anna Wintour, Vogue editor. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see the comparisons and stuff. Like, mm. Because obviously there were a lot of things in that film that they took quite directly from her. Yeah. Um, so some... it'd be interesting to see what they kind of changed or were different or, yeah. Exactly. I'd be curious to know, yeah, like you're right, like how similar they are at the same time. I'd love to know if Anna Wintour has actually watched this film or what she thinks of it. Surely. I don't care what anybody says about me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> True. Yeah. But, yeah, I totally agree. I'm totally curious as well. I kind of want to Google and just see if there's, like, been an interview with someone asked her and she said anything mm. about it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to see if you can guess my movie, Stacey. What's another female-centric movie in which the main character tries to fit into a different group or society that she's not really a part of? That she's really different and alternate from, but she tries to fit in, and they're all fashion conscious, and they like all pretty, and they're all stuck Clueless. up. You're mean so girls, close. mean girls. Of course, it's mean girls. Bless <laughs> you. Who's my wife? Who's my wife? You got me when you said pretty and and like fashion conscious, and I was like, okay, we're, yeah, no. yeah, absolutely, it's mean girls. Hey, I love c- mean girls. Could have been clueless. Could have been clueless as well. I do love clueless as well. That's <laughs> but they were one of nicer my, to my favorite tie from that yeah. sort of genre. Yeah, yeah clu- I'd love clueless. Absolutely love clueless. Anywho, that moves us over to question number seven, courtesy of Julio of the Contrarians podcast, where they basically take a film that's universally beloved, argue why it's rubbish, or they take a film that's pretty much universally hated by Rotten Tomatoes critics and argue why it's awesome, while they give a bit of a, like a rundown on the plot, and then they do real talk at the end where they give their like their actual opinions about the film. And, you know, sort of sum up how facetious they were being or not. Anyway, what's the question there, Liz? It is, what's your most controversial opinion about this film? Okay, I think that Anne and Emily should have swapped. They yep. should have been cast in the other's role. Interesting. I l- literally thought that the entire time. Emily Blunt feels way too lovable to be the sociopath that dances between hating on Anne Hathaway in one scene and then like, oh, you've got to do a good job or I'm going to get fired. Yeah. But I thought she added value in that because it meant that you didn't just straight up hate Emily. Like it made you still have sympathy for Emily because you were kind of like, oh, you're still quite likable even but, though. Yeah. Do you need sympathy for that character? I don't, I don't feel like you do. do. No, you... I don't think you do. Like you, She's supposed to be a badass for the entire of the tri- But has Anne Hathaway played that kind of total bitch? Yeah. In what? Wasn't she Cruella or No, she was in The Witches. Oh, she witches, was that's um right. she was Catwoman in Dark Knight Rises. She's very doe-eyed ingenue. Like she's got that very sort of naivety around a bit about her. See, I don't see that. Whereas I Emily see this... Blunt, I'm like, I love the bit where she's just like, Okay, I'm hearing this. I want to hear this. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I think that's fucking gold. But okay. I thought it would have made more sense. It's like uh, Anne Hathaway being an American girl who's kind of got a smug look about her, and I know Stacey mm. grew that opinion. Mm. Whereas, like, you could add Emily Blunt, this British girl who's in, like, New York, got no idea what she's doing. You know, that sort of stuff, you just, like, sort of fish out of water type thing. I, I could have seen that. I'm actually mm. with you. Mm. I agree with that. 
I'm going to go one step further, and I'm going to say Meryl Streep should not have played this role. <laughs> Meryl Streep is too lovable. Meryl Streep is awesome, harrowing, like you know, like harrowing roles where she has to display vulnerability. She's also awesome in like comedic roles. Um, great in Kramer versus Kramer. Great in Deer Hunter. Great in so many different films. This film and Little Woman, where she has to play this like cold-blooded sociopath. Just don't buy it. There's mm. just something too lovable about her. It's so funny. I know you completely do. Yeah, I see really you shaking my totally head. I really disagree. Like, like, I just, I just, I couldn't believe. Like, I just, like, it's, I was just like, oh, that's Meryl Streep trying. She just brought that real yeah. depth to it for me. Like, she really delivered and made, I really like that she made it a human character as opposed to a caricature because it could have easily mm. been a caricature. And I really like that they brought in that human element towards the end where she's obviously pretty gutted about Stephen, but she's just carrying on. Yeah. I just don't think anyone could have delivered it the way that she did and make you appreciate her for what she was doing and what she was trying to achieve in her life and stuff. Like I just thought I just thought it was a perfect okay. casting. What about Glenn Close? No, I think she would have been too much of a bitch. Yeah. That's the thing. I think you actually needed to have those characters. Otherwise they're just to me, like I said, caricatures. I feel like you need that realism of, of well look, they're still people. See, I could imagine, like, Glenn Close would have been way too evil with almost, like, yeah, past redeeming. Yeah, I feel like she just been, like... But at the same time, there was just, like, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, like, I felt like she was going to smile through most of the films. So when, at the end, it was like she finally smiled, and it was like this big revelation, I was like, oh, mm. yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I was, so, I, yeah. did, I, I didn't felt that built up sort of thing. I, I'm trying yeah. to think of someone else, but, like, Gina Davis or Sharon Stone or someone like that, someone that just has this, like, perpetual sort of, like, uneasiness about them, whereas Meryl Streep just felt too welcoming company even when she was being a bitch i was just like i don't buy it oh wow no like, I totally don't, don't get me wrong okay yeah, like, yeah. on a scale of one to ten i felt like she was in like an eight yeah yeah. i'm just saying i don't think she was at a ten like most people say so even though people are listening to this and thinking i probably thought she was shit i'm not saying that i'm saying she was really she's good usually a ten. Fucking street. yeah she's, she's usually not nominated for fucking yeah. oscars for no fucking reason i just didn't find her at a ten. yeah interesting yeah i mean i'm not saying i don't get what you're saying i just disagree yeah, yeah. which is kind of the whole point of this question right and I think that mine is probably going to be a controversial opinion here because I think that Emily deserved not to go to Paris. <laughs> Why? Because she... Is that because she took COVID to work and spread it around? Yeah, well, actually, probably. <laughs> no, um, it was like you could see that she was just losing the plot a bit on it. Like she f- she forgot the Hermes scarf thing. Like, how do you forget? Emily, like, that's such an important job. You've got to do your pick up your Hermes scarves on time. And like... And he was totally nailing it by that point. I just was kind of like, yeah, um, I'm, I don't blame Anna, uh, Anna Wintour. I don't, <laughs> I don't um, you know, I don't blame Miranda. Miranda, thanks. I totally blanked on her actual name. <laughs> I don't blame Miranda for wanting to take Andy. Yeah, I can see what you're saying, Liz. I can see what you're saying. Question eight? Yes, and question eight is, what was the biggest dick move in this movie? I feel like we have to rule out everything Miranda does. Like, you guys can answer that if you want, but I feel like it's just too obvious. So then I went with Anne Hathaway, and Anne Hathaway did a couple of like kind of dick moves, like you know, not worrying about her boyfriend's birthday and being mean to her friends and all that sort of stuff, turning into a different person. But I still think after <laughs> Emily Blunt gets run down by a taxi or whatever in the middle of the road, and then Anne Hathaway shows up at the hospital and is like, oh, by the way, bro, you know the thing that you're most looking forward to this entire fucking year? Yeah, you're not going to that either. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's pretty dickish. That's pretty dickish. Yeah, well, she just didn't have to tell her that it was because of that she's doing a bad job. Exactly. You just be like, oh, look, you're not going to be able to go because of the moon boot, Exactly. You've you know? got a perfect out. Yeah. You've got a perfect out delivered to you. But it's just like, hey, funny how you broke your leg. Anyway. <laughs> but that had to be in the film for later for Miranda to tell 
Andy that she had actually. But then why did they have um, Emily get hit by a car anyway? Because that was in the book, actually. If you read the book, that's the reason why yeah, she yeah. doesn't go. It's there isn't this whole element of Andy. But being I like chosen. that element. I thought that was really good. Like, like I, I like what they were trying to tell with that story of her doing mm. that. But then, yeah, it's cause Emily were, just didn't have to be hit by a car. Well, that they, was the start of the downfall for me. That was a yeah. part of the. They third needed that the Emmy's scarves to go everywhere in this fly up in the sky. They Those needed that scene. Yeah, they shot it that day. They needed to put it in there. <laughs> My question is. Do your you question think or your answer? No, no. I mean, just my question on the Hermes scarves, so it's slightly tangenting, but I'm doing it anyway, is do you think that people gathered up those scarves and gave them back to her, or do you think they kept them? Because we just looked it up, and an Hermes <laughs> scarf, the most expensive one on the American website, now sells for $6,750. The thing is, your average Joe blogs on the street would not know that they're worth shit. No, that's probably yeah. true, actually. You'd oh, you might recognize think... the bag. You might go, oh, that's yeah. a fancy yeah. shop, maybe. <laughs> In New York. Yeah, in New York. Mm. In New York, just like your average person going about their day, you know, the more wealthier people aren't going to be out on the street. I don't think we're in the average suburb here. Like, yeah, this this is... No, no, this is is downtown Manhattan. I've been in downtown Manhattan. It's mostly tourists. Mostly tourists are just going to be like, "Eh, whatever. Yeah. I think I feel like people would be nice and be like, oh, that poor lady got hit by a car. Let's get her her scarves because she obviously really likes scarves because she has a lot of them. Yeah, she had like 10 bags full of them. Down man, downtown anyway. Manhattan, where Banksy once sold a couple of his paintings to a New Zealand woman who bought them for $120 and no one else brought them. And then they got they basically went up to her and said, by the way, did you know you've just bought a couple of Banksy's? She's like, what? And they're like, yeah, they're worth about $10,000 each. And there you go. Uh, and no one recognized that. And he's one of the most recognizable street artists in the world. Well, anyway... That's just random thing yeah. that I thought was funny. <laughs> um, I didn't cut out um, what Miranda did because I felt there was one. I don't know, like go hard. I just yeah, felt, yeah. yeah, for me. Well, personally. I feel like a lot of the things I didn't necessarily count as dick moves, like as the biggest dick moves, because they were just general, like, you know, her being herself. But one thing I really felt was a dick move on her part was not warning Nigel that the situation was happening at the end. Like she should have given him a heads up and not let him just find out that way because they were like he was her. Really, her her closest colleague, right? Yeah. And the fact that she just let him find out along with everyone else, knowing that he would be crushed, yeah, yeah. that that was unnecessary. Like I thought, you probably had two minutes where you could say, "Look, this is happening, mm. and you're going to be very disappointed, but it is what it is, or whatever." Yeah. Mm. That being said, he did some pretty dickish things to Anne. And yeah, but she's Anne. just a bloody intern. You know, she needed from the hard work, point though. of view. She was dumb. I, I just, I think my fundamental disagreement is that the business should not be run like this. But <laughs> well, I mean, yes, <laughs> no but... shit. <laughs> I think that's that's the hardest part I had for this. But anyway, <laughs> okay. My biggest dick move in this film was it was similar to yours. It was related to when they were in Paris and Christian told Andy about what was going to happen. I'm like, he really likes her, doesn't he? Mm. And he knows how important this job is to her now, uh, over time. Yeah, yeah. So why would he do that? He, you know. Like, tell her? Yeah, I don't tell feel her like he about liked. what was happening. Wouldn't, isn't that nicer that he did that, though? Because that way she could actually try and do something about it. But why would he want her to do that? That's not the reason he was telling her. The reason he was telling her was to gloat. Oh, yeah, to show off. To, yeah, that yeah, he, that was a bit, yeah, it was involved. It's kind of look in at this. me. I'm going to be really important yeah, in this yeah, new business. Yeah, exactly. It's, it was like, like, fuck it you wasn't. Let's remember this soon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, question number nine. What was the most preposterous leap of logic in this film? I think it was that anyone would buy that the person doing the cover art for the <laughs> Harry Potter book would have the entire manuscript and yeah. they'd be able to give it to someone else for them to take away for a couple hours. 
No yeah. way. Those were like the most tightly held books in like history. Yeah. As someone who's had his cover art done for a book and the cover artist was like, what's it about? Or what do you want? You know, yeah. they didn't give a shit. They're not going to read the entire fucking book. And also, yeah, they're like J.K. Rowling. They're going to go, "What specific scene do you? Or you're like, what do you yeah. want it to look like?" And yeah, they're not going to read the book first. I was just like, "No, nah, that's not happening. I don't believe that at all." Absolutely. What about you, Stace? Mine is also related to Christian again. I just don't buy that he is completely spellbound by Andy. Like he meets her and is like, "Oh." bowled over and wanting to be charming and sweep her off her feet. Like, I feel... He's... No, he's like, not. He's... Oh, we've got a question about it soon, but he's so we? just trying to get down her pants, he doesn't give, yeah. give a shit. Yeah, well, I thought it was a bit... Exactly. So why isn't she like... I mean, she does question him a couple of times, like, you don't just say stuff like that. Well, he's someone, quite, a, you know, but... he's quite good looking and cultured and stuff, and so she probably is like, oh, wow, you know, this mm. man seems interested in me. He's not the kind mm. of man that you should go to me, I guess. They're both okay. smug. Okay, They're so... both smug going for smug. Yeah, because yeah. this like guy... Like like, I guess. This guy is, like, up there, right? He, you know, like, in terms of his career. Like, yeah. And she's just, like, Miranda's assistant. Yeah, so yeah. She, he probably uh, likes the idea of having this, like... Power play. You know, yeah, this naive Older man. woman to <laughs> be impressed by him. And, yeah. yeah. And, like, he's like, oh, you know, she's like, oh, why don't you go and find another woman or something? And he's like, I don't think I can. I'm like, you've met her, like, three times, bro. <laughs> These are just exactly. shit that guys say to girls. It's yeah. so... We oh, know this. It's so cringe. She just didn't. So cringe. Anyway. Easy one for me. Meryl Streep, a.k.a. Miranda Priestly, lives at the highest level of fashion, right? She only likes brand new original ideas, all that sort of stuff, like the cutting edge of just opulence. Mm-hmm. Yet she drinks uh, Starbucks? <laughs> what? <laughs> this is weird. The fuck? Okay, part of me realizes that in America, Starbucks is like coffee. Like that's like the, the best of the best, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like small because boutique artisan. American coffee is terrible. Exactly. American coffee, yeah. by and large, is terrible. And I'm not trying to brag, but New Zealand has pretty good coffee. Like other parts of the world have amazing coffee. But I couldn't get over the fact that she gets Starbucks. And then I was like, yeah. well, come on, be smart. Starbucks has paid, what, half a million dollars to be in this film? 100% of it's yeah. product placement. It's yeah. all it is product placement. She's drinking four fucking cups <laughs> of coffee every fucking time as well. Piping hot. Starbucks. Nothing. They throw a fucking steak in the sink. They don't throw away any cups of Starbucks at any fucking point. Because that shit is fucking liquid gold. Was, what the fuck yeah, was that shit? 100%. That, that is, yeah, I agree. That, that was very egregious mm. product placement, eh? And here's a nullify! <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Did you have another thing? No. Okay, <laughs> good. All right. I don't know. Here's another thing. They're giving thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of clothes to Anne Halfway, and they're never seeing them again. But they, they don't, don't care. care. They don't give a shit. They're just like, oh, well, fucking, she's the only girl around here that can fit it. Yeah, she can take it home. That's how, like, that industry works, though. It's insane. So, yeah, anyway, that was that was my, like, what the fuck. Uh, last question that can be applied. What is it, Liz? What two characters have slept together and not told anyone? Clearly Meryl Streep and Emily Blunt's characters. Emily no. and Miranda. No way. No. I'm telling you, man. Like... No, that's a controversial opinion and a leap of logic. Yeah. Why? I agree. And a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> the trifecta. And a stupid face. <laughs> yeah. You don't think they've gotten sloshed up at like no. the Paris no, Fashion no, Week? No, 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 no. Miranda got does home. not get sloshed up. <laughs> And then Miranda's being like, okay, I need some relief, and they're just used to her as like a saddle or something. No way. No. Not in a million years. No. Really? I see it, man. I see it. I can totally see it. Emily, on the other hand, 
I'm saying I, I absolutely think that she is a part of this uh, combination, and I am guessing that it's her and Gazelle Bunchen because a, if you have the option of being <laughs> Gazelle Bunchen, you're going to do it, and you can absolutely see those girls getting all rat faced on Cosmopolitans and then like, yeah, really, you know, engaging in some fun times, well, like at least okay. with like a threesome with some hot dude them in the bar or something. Okay, who are you saying? Well, I think, I don't know why I'm fixating on him for the last three questions, but Christian and Jacqueline from French Oh, yeah. Because how did he get that job? For fuck's sake, he's just some writer. Yeah, (laughs) legit. It's weird. That's Mm. such a good call. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. 100%. Nice. All right, now it's my questions. So um, I would like for question 11 for you guys to cast yourselves in this movie. Sarcastic bald dude. Okay, but where would you fit in? <laughs> Stanley Tucci. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, I was distracted by the fact he knows things about fashion. And <laughs> oh, I know. I'm looking at you right now. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not dressed up to go out on a catwalk at the moment or go to work, so. Oh, oh yeah, come back so Monday we, yeah, morning. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> could any of us fit into this fucking movie? What do you want me to be, the barista of Starbucks? Oh, no, look, yes. I'd, I'd be Andy. <laughs> Makes sense. The dude in the street that doesn't realise there's a $1,000 scarf blowing You're through the You're the wind. taxi driver that runs yeah. in Emily Blunt. <laughs> was Anne halfway? Yes, I would have ran her down, and I wouldn't apologise. <laughs> no, see, I'm Andy. I've been in that job as the I'm EEA, oh, like overworked and underpaid. And, yeah, so I was just like, yeah, 100%. That would have been me walking in going, and I kind of have done something like that, and I'll talk about that in one of these later questions. Yeah. But um, yeah. Well, that explains a lot. Explains yeah, why you're probably connected with this yeah. film. FYI, listeners of Movie Reviews and 20Qs, I would not run over Anne Hathaway and not apologise. <laughs> I just want to get that out. I was just joking. So you Please would don't come apologize. arrest me, FBI. Oh, so everything else in this discussion is serious, but that <laughs> Absolutely. part, not. Absolutely. I, I feel like I need a disclaimer, just in case <laughs> I'm in the news for accidentally running over Anne Hathaway, and people are like, he did that on purpose. And yeah, I probably did, but I, <laughs> but I would apologise. Yes, the, yeah, I okay, would apologise. Now we understand. you'd give back almost all the scarves. Except a couple. Before Sam gets himself into an actual yeah. legal quandary, uh, yes. Stacey, what yeah. was your opinion? Well, I'm actually on a similar level to Sam. I'm like, I can't really see how I'd fit into this film either. But I do really like food. And Nate has a, he works at a restaurant. He's a chef, right? So I could just be a restaurant patron in the background at his restaurant. You could totally be Nate because you love toasted cheese sandwiches. It's like one of your things. Yeah. I do. Ooh. Do you like making them or just eating them? Both. Both, yeah. Oh, she loves okay, both. Yeah. yeah. Would you use Jalsberg? I don't know what that is. Uh, it's Do like, we have that? It's in New quite Zealand? a mild sort of cheese. I've eaten it in Switzerland. No, I like more flavorful cheese. I think it's quite mild, but I might be talking shit. It's got <laughs> holes in it. I think. Oh, I don't oh. know. Um, fair enough. All right. Um, question twelve. Given that you know size and weight was such a big thing in this movie, I'm curious whether you think either Emily Blunt or Anne Hathaway gained or lost weight to be in the movie. No, absolutely not. Neither of them did. This is just what they look like. And at the point Anne Hathaway was size six, and then later when she was size four, she looked exactly the fucking same. So I don't think she lost any weight or gained any or anything. That was the funny part. Is like when you compare her and Emily Blunt, they're not dissimilar body shapes. Yeah, they're very similar. And then Miranda, and like Miranda at one point's like, oh, the fat girl. And I was like, oh, yeah. my God, what Which would she call that? me? Exactly. <laughs> the yeah. chronically obese girl. Yeah. <laughs> She'd be like, oh, my God, More get out obese. of my office. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. That's all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, fair enough. I was, I was thinking the same thing, but I was curious if you guys had the same opinion. Um, and for question 13, I'd like to know if you think Miranda's soon-to-be ex-husband, Stephen, was justified in wanting a divorce. 
So, not necessarily justified, but here's the thing that I apply to all relationships, is if you don't feel like you're getting what you want from a relationship, then you just leave. That's your decision. Like, you can't make people change. You can't put expectations on people that you know they won't live up to. And I feel like that's what he's done in this, is he's like, he's kind of sick and tired of her being the center of attention and all that sort of stuff. But the thing is, like, when you get into that relationship, that's what she's doing. And you can't expect her to change. You can't expect her to be different. It's like guys that start dating strippers and they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe my girlfriend's down there dancing the fucking pole every night. It's like, well, you knew that when you met her. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And they made it very clear that this was not, like, a relationship that she'd been in for 40 years. Yeah, it was years, her second yeah, exactly. marriage. Yeah. second marriage, yeah. So, in which case, he absolutely knew what he was getting into. Just to, like, follow that, I feel like he maybe went into, of like, an optimistic thing of, like, yeah, you know, I could handle this. And then... Found out he can't. Okay, he can't. See it. Done. Yeah, you know? it kind of sucks for everyone. Maybe think about it a bit more. Yeah. Well, I kind of agree with what we're all saying here, but I think, yes, he is justified in wanting a divorce because you're allowed your own opinion. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's his thoughts. And, yes, maybe he was happy with it for a certain time, but for whatever reason, it's not working anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, he's allowed to. Fair enough. Very reasonable answers, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stacey's questions. Yes. Okay. So at the ending, it was left quite ambiguous. So I want to know, do you think that Andy got back together with Nate and went to Boston or did she stay in New York City or something else? I feel like she's had so much of a personality change throughout this film that it's too far gone for her and Nate to patch things up now. I feel like they've become such fundamentally different people that they don't recognize each other anymore and what they used to see in a relationship. I think she's had a moment of realization of like, oh my God, what the fuck have I done? but I still don't think that's enough for her. I still feel like she's, as we've seen throughout this film, she's become too goal-orientated, too fixated on her work, as opposed to her personal relationships, and I I can't see her packing it up. I um, agree that she's sticking in New York because I feel like she probably got that job that she wanted. Mm. Um, It was exactly the kind of job she wanted, and she wanted to do well in her career. And, like, Mm. why would she pick up and change her whole life for a guy who wanted her to move to another city who arranged it in like a week, by the way. <laughs> did so, he want her to move, though? Because he was sort of like, yeah, we're done. I'm out of here. You know, well, he true, said, but he didn't he really like, want her to come along, but he said, oh, you know, he sort of like hinted at it like, hey, if you if you I, wanted I to choose this, then. Yeah, yeah that, but he, that, yeah, well, I'll get to that next. But, um, but maybe yeah. that was more from his side rather than hers. Yeah. yeah I don't know, I don't but know. yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, Andy had to do some pretty weird stuff for Miranda. So what's the most ridiculous task you've had to do for a boss? Okay, so as I mentioned before, I have been an executive assistant for quite an array of different bosses. And something you really learn is that every boss has got good points and bad points. And the very first guy I worked for was the CIO of quite a large financial services company. So pretty top-level executive. And the most stressful time was when he flew to San Francisco and he changed his flights about four times. And on the fourth time, I didn't read the itinerary as as, as closely as I could have. And I didn't realize that the flight, they'd, they'd rebooked him on a return flight that was leaving at 12.40 instead of 14.20. So, like, just the two numbers were switched around. Now, I noticed this before he actually, got, you know, before it was a problem. And I caught up the thing. I changed it over. And so I texted him and said, hey, or emailed him and said, hey, I've now noticed this. I've fixed it. All you have to do is check in at the airport. And he came back and it was... This is an unmitigated disaster. Fix it. That's it. That was my email back. And I was just like, I, what? I can't. Like, they said you have to, like, they wouldn't let me do it online because I wasn't like a 
a specified you know yeah. person on his BA account or whatever. Yeah. So um, what I I went down the pub because it was like three o'clock in the afternoon on Friday yeah. and, or Thursday or whatever, and I was just like, "Fuck this! I'm going to lose my job." So fuck it, I'm going down the pub. <laughs> and his his manager comes out because this is in London, right? So that's what you do. And then his sorry, like one of his basically his right hand man comes down to the pub and he's like, "You've got to fix this." I'm like, "I don't have an answer, Julian. I don't know how to fix this." And he's like, "Well, wh- what would Lisa do?" I'm like. <gasps> Lisa. So I was covering a maternity cover role and <laughs> I literally called his EA, got her, his old EA, got her password and then called back to BA, pretended to be her and gave her password and then they let me roll him off the flight and put him back on and get him oh checked, and him checked online. So I made it happen. I couldn't believe it. And um, yeah, so I emailed and said, that's all fixed now. Uh, you will not have to check it in the airport. You can now check it on your airport. Whatever. And he was just responded with like, TX. Thanks. <laughs> what a dude. Yep. What an absolute disaster having to check in at the airport as opposed to on your way. <laughs> like, that is insane. I literally oh, cried. Like, I was, at, I cried and then I went to the pub because I was like, well, alcohol will help. Yeah, good. Hilarious. Good. Yeah. Yeah. At the end, he described me as a wee diamond in the rough. <sighs> so it was very much a sort of Miranda moment. <laughs> yeah. I've got one. When I worked at a supermarket throughout my end of high school and university years, we used to work a Friday night shift. We would close up at 10 o'clock at night. And our manager that was working at that time, her name was Kelly. She was probably about six foot two. She was quite a tall woman. She used to not like the idea of walking to her car alone late at night in the dark. So she used to ask me to walk with her, which, okay, fair enough. Rugby playing boy, I'm only five foot nine, so I'm about three or four inches shorter than her, but I'm a bit of a beefcake. Makes sense. The reason why it's ridiculous, I'm a massive fucking pussy. If somebody <laughs> came at us, what the fuck was I going to do? Like, shove her in the way and go, take her first. <laughs> Cry at him. <laughs> don't hurt us. Please don't hurt us. <laughs> That's why it was ridiculous. Maybe you're the best of a bad bunch, Sam. Yes. <laughs> you just reminded no, me. No, no, no. There was other guys there that oh. were like, like way bigger, taller, and stronger oh, I think than me. She liked no, you. she must maybe have liked or you. that she was the only one that she felt she actually felt comfortable with in the dark. Mm, yeah, she thought all the others were dodgy. Nah, yeah. she was trying to sleep with me. I've just worked it out. And you're like, oh, oh now oh, what? Yeah. I wonder why she kissed me that time. That's Damn, weird. Okay. <laughs> and I was just going to say that just reminded me of when I went to McDonald's and they made me clean a ladder with a toothbrush. What? <laughs> they were just they just hated you. It was you. a really That's quiet was. They day, just hated and they were you. like. Oh, they did. No question yeah. about that. They absolutely hated me at McDonald's. But here's something to clean, and you can clean it with this. I was like, right, I wonder okay. what they had you do at McDonald's. I can just imagine, like, hey, you can have a six-pack of uh, chicken nuggets. Funny fact, do you know how much chicken is actually in those nuggets? <laughs> 100%, actually. The, the chicken nuggets are I fine. It. I knew it. <laughs> no, the chicken nuggets are fine. No, it's because I was smarter than them all, right? Like, <laughs> Here comes smugglers. It's been a while since we've had smugglers. I am so smart. Here, here, here she is. I am so smart. S M R T. I mean S M A R T. I mean S M U G. Okay, Good guys. Old smug let's lesbian. just um, change the topic here a bit, um, and because we haven't really discussed them a lot. Nate or Christian? Oh, Nate all the way. Nate feels like, okay, he's a bit of a sarcastic asshole, but at the same time, this is his girlfriend. He's watched his girlfriend completely change into a different person. Like, you know, she's clearly focused on her career and wanting to advance herself and all that sort of stuff. But I still feel like, you know, like if you're in this relationship with someone and they completely change and you're just like, you're going to be upset. Like, I I felt way more sympathy, whereas like Christian, I felt was just a scumbag. I just like, like we talked about before. Yeah. 
I fundamentally disagree that Andy changed her personality. I feel like she was still herself. She just was really stressed out and had a lot of work to do. You, she changed. No, she I don't think she did. Changed. She was always driven from the beginning. She took she, that job. She how didn't many want Miranda clothes to changes you have? Yeah, but I mean, you can change the clothes and that. Like that's not that's not you. your personality. And I'm sorry, I think Nate was a douche. Okay. I don't think he was a good boyfriend at all. He was never <laughs> supportive of her. Like I, I know you think he was, but like. The, the night where she's sitting there and she's really stressed out about how she's going to tell Emily about Paris or whether she should or whatever. And he just comes out and like, are you coming to bed? It's like she's clearly having a hard time. I think a supportive boyfriend would come in and go, hey, you seem really stressed out. Do you need to talk about something? Like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And like when they're in the restaurant and she's like, oh, my boss is calling. I've got to get her. I would hope my supportive friends would be like, shit, get the phone quick. Your boss is really mean. Not, ha, 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 let's try and make you lose your job. They were all yeah. dicks too. And... <laughs> It's a one birthday for one year. Like, she was very clear, was I want to work for oh, it for oh. one year. Let me finish. Very clear the whole time. I want to do this job for a year, go to Paris mm. the next year, meet all the editors and chief of stuff. She already gave it one the opportunity to meet up, like, the was it the editor of New York Magazine? So, like, I feel yeah. like she was still really trying to hang on to being a good person. And the job put pressure on her to do that. And in the end, she did say no. This is where I draw the line and I'm cutting it out. So I don't think she did change. I think she was always driven and he maybe didn't see that and he didn't like it when it came through. Yeah. And then at the end, I found it pretty stink that he was like, oh, well, by the way, while you're away for one week, um, I went off and got a job in Boston. So I'm moving to another city and hey, you can come move with me if you want or not. But They're I don't broken up. It's all about- she slept with another dude. But come a, on, man. A, he didn't know that and they were yes. on a, they said we were on a break. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. I mean, friends. No, okay. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't actually, yeah, I do actually think they probably were broken up and whatever. But he didn't necessarily know that she'd slept with the guy, right? I think seemed, he'd realise this, this that, girl has changed whoa, 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 whoa. so much. This is no longer the girl I want to be in a relationship. For him, he on. was just suddenly like, okay, well, I'm making this big life decision change and that's fine because I'm making it and I want to do it. But then she was like, well, I want to make a big life change. Oh, no. Well, you're doing a terrible job and you're letting everyone down. I was like, nah, I thought that was. She'd already stuff. made a big life change. She'd already chosen to that's like it, sacrifice the weekends and nights and all that sort of stuff. I, I don't know how you support someone when you barely see them. I think what we've I've, discovered here is that Liz is more goal oriented with her work, whereas I yeah. prefer someone that's like way more about <laughs> well, relationships like, and I building mean, a. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Like, but I just think if you're with someone and she was always pretty clear that she wanted to have this good job and, mm. and do well in her career, then that's something you, I don't understand people who are with people, but they don't want to support them and give them support in the thing that they want to do. Okay, so you hate Nate. Does this mean you're going for Christian? Oh, good point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, you've said all this stuff about Nate. The other guy's a scumbag. Oh, no. So he was an obvious scumbag. That was too easy. Oh, I was like, yeah, right. like, he was obviously just, I, I would have absolutely slept with him. Yep, he's, he's pretty hot. He's probably good in bed. Um, but no, I'm staying single, if that's my choice. Sorry. And look, that's clear, because I'm single, and I'm just not going to settle for yeah. someone who doesn't support me in my drive yes. and what I want to achieve. Good I'm also not going to end up with a dude that's going to be a slimy creep. I'd rather so. be with someone that saying that I think half supports me or doesn't really as give me as much support as Liz would like. Then be with a guy that's clearly trying to exploit me. I wouldn't me. be with I would, like, Yeah, I, just, I know, I know you're saying that, nice. but I, what I'm, I'm saying, like, for, for Stacey's question. Yeah, See, I actually good. think Andy should have gone with Christian because he would have got her further in the career. career that she wanted. So actually for Andy, <laughs> Then she would have Christian been using him we'll and yeah? that would have made her a worse person. Would it? If you're using a user, does that matter? <laughs> How do we know he was using, who was he using? He was using it for sex. Like, he was just talking oh. about that. I don't know. Anyway, that moves me over to my questions. And yeah, as we've just been discussing, at what point should she have told Miranda to get fucked? Clearly, Liz doesn't believe she should have told no, her to get actually, fucked at any um, point. But... I said when she called her fat, that was oh, unnecessary. When yeah. she was like, 
oh, when I hired the smart fat girl, I'd be like, well, no one said personal attacks were necessary, so fuck you. Mm. Like, to be honest, though, I do think she should have given it the year. I would have, like, if if it's... If I'd gone to like another, like my dream job at the New Yorker or something, they're like, oh, you work for Miranda for a year. Hell's yeah, we'll give you a job. Yeah. I would have stuck it out for a year. I would just done it. Okay, so it's actually a similar story to what you told Liz. I think it's that Miami flight. There's a hurricane. <laughs> yeah. There are no planes flying. Let's be reasonable. Like, uh, it would have, I would have just been similar to you. I would have just hung up the phone and gone to the pub and gone, okay, oh, well. <laughs> I'm pretty resilient, but like when she started intentionally calling her a different name, I was just like, what the fuck? Uh, like, that probably wouldn't be enough for me to tell her to get fucked, but that'd be something I'd be sitting there, like, stewing about. And you're right, when she's like, no, you need to get me a flight out of here. I'd be like, come on. And then she, like, starts chastising her. She's like, I thought you'd go over and above, but clearly yeah. you don't. I was just like, And that's when fuck she gave you. her the Harry Potter task. Yeah. Okay, my next question, as we've discussed, uh, Christian managed to get a hold of a Harry Potter book before the Harry Potter book was released. He claimed to know the cover designer who had a copy of the book. We've sort of already started to talk about how that's probably bullshit. I wonder if you guys, how did he really get a copy of the Harry Potter book? I think it's pretty obvious from who he is. He's obviously J.K. Rowling's toy boy. Oh, damn, that's what I had. Yeah, I'm thinking I mean, everyone would have that. I mean, that's what I was thinking when I wrote this. Is like He clearly spit shined to J.K. Rowling's. But also, he stole it. He Want, didn't go, hey, JK, saying. can I have a copy of that? Oh, um, yeah. He just, he just picked it up out of her office or something like that. Who's that kind of guy? So we could get action with the other yeah. girl. Yeah, I want to yeah. see that in Ocean's 9. <laughs> Surely it was Surely probably more, t- uh, more heavily guarded than like the safe <laughs> in the casino or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And my final question. Yeah, I mean, we'll sort of dance around this a little bit, but do you guys reckon Andy will grow up to be another Miranda? Because as Miranda says, I see so much of myself in you. Yeah, but I think it all comes down to that choice. And they really, really pushed that message about choice home. And I really liked that in the movie that they had that as an overarching theme. And to me, she kept trying not to be. She kept trying to make choices that yeah. didn't. And like a lot of times she said, I don't have a choice, I don't have a choice. But in the end, she makes, she does take the choice that could hurt her. But again, like this is Miranda with 30 plus years of experience. You don't think like in 30 years time, Andy's going to oh, be that ruthless? Been... Don't think she's going to grow into that? No, I think this is, she's okay. learned it this way. You know, she's learned from this experience and she won't be. What do you think, Stace? Yeah, I think she, if she became a writer, she would just be a writer. I don't mm. think she's interested on in that hierarchy, ladder, climbing kind of stuff. I think she's I more. I feel in... like she is. She's, Liz has gone she's... on about how she is. No, no, I, no, no, I think she's more interested in improving her craft and writing better articles okay. or better from that perspective. She wasn't right. driven just for status alone. She was driven yeah. for what she wanted to achieve in her career. Very different things like whether you. Do you want to be a CEO because you really think it'd be amazing to run a company and do all the business parts of it? Or do you want to be the CEO because you'll be really well known and important and everybody will look up to you and respect you? Miranda, part of it was, I think Miranda was actually both. Miranda loved the power. But Miranda loved the power as well. Whereas I think Andy would only do that because she wanted to make the best magazine there could be. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. yeah. But professionally, I think we're talking about professionally, but personally, potentially she could end up like Miranda with broken marriages and whatnot because she will not pay those relationships attention unless, like you say, she has learned from this experience. Yeah, I think yeah also- basically, like, the phone call you answer, that's the relationship. Yeah. That's the person you're in a relationship with, right? Yeah. As, the, as the movie says. But I can there- imagine her just becoming just yeah. nothing. Was there any bits where she just ignored his phone calls? I was like, has there been any evidence that she doesn't answer his phone calls? 
Yeah, I don't feel like that would make for much of a point to this film. You know what I mean? Like, no, but I think like you know, if you're saying, well, you answer their phone call, but then you answer, she answers everybody's phone calls. Like it wasn't. Yeah. I found that I actually found that line a bit. <laughs> weak I feel like, like she only. Oh, who fucking cares? Anyway, yeah. um, yeah, I think it might also depend on the relationship. If she found someone who had a similar sort of work ethic or drive or what ambition, perhaps they would support each other equally, and so they wouldn't work out that way. So mm. maybe Christian would be better for her in that way. I don't yeah. know. Like it could be ships in the nice and not really. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like I said, like some people that's not a problem, but then some people yeah. that is. So mm. absolutely, and neither way is right or wrong. It's just who we yeah. all are as different people. Exactly. Cool. And that moves us down to our final question, which was a listener question that we threw out there to you guys, our dear listeners, to answer for us. Uh, put out a poll, which I'll have the results of after this question. But I want to know from you guys, who's the most insufferable boss in film history? Because obviously Miranda's up there, right? So in the poll, actually, one of the options you gave was from Office Space, but I'm not going with that one. I'm going with the boss at the restaurant of Office Space, where he's like, <laughs> Jen, you don't have your, well, Jen, whatever her character yeah. was, and he's like, yeah. Why don't you have more pieces of flair? She's like, you asked me to have 15. He's like, but look at Brian. He's got 32. I'd be like, I want to punch you (laughs) in the face. He was just this incredibly frustrating, annoying boss. And what's really frustrating is there's a fuck ton of hospitality bosses exactly like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What about you, Stace? Well, at, Bill Lumberg was the f- first name that jumped into yeah, my mind yeah, when yeah. I saw this question. I was like, yeah, it's got to be him. Because I can't stand apathy in the workplace. You know, like he was just completely incompetent and just did nothing. It's just and, an ongoing, like, you'd just be, yeah, he'd be insufferable. Mm, yes, that would be it. yes, just, exactly. It is, it's insufferable. He's just a middle manager that's just, like, got no purpose mm, whatsoever, aside so from really going around annoying people. Right, that's a great answer, Stacey. I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> if you could uh, it, it already get is those Saturday. TPS reports, <laughs> that'd be great. So he won the poll. He he got 47% of the vote. Yay. Yeah, like five miles. Uh. Mark Zuckerberg from the Social Network got second. Uh, Liz Grossman from Tropic Funder came third. And then Miranda from Devil's Prada, which I feel like is, I don't know, maybe like sort of identifies how little people have seen this film, came 9%. <sighs> So, no, but like I, I feel like for most of our people that are answering on Twitter, it's just like... Hey, well, you never know. I think the word insufferable. Did you use yeah. the word insufferable I did. on the poll? Yeah, I Who think that really... Yeah, to me, that's not the same thing. It's slightly different, yeah. She might be frustrating or like you, she might vex you, but I wouldn't say that she'd be insufferable. I don't know if I could suffer through her. I don't think I could do that at all. See, I would be I've, taking a slash in a handbag every time I've I gave it back to her. I've worked for people not quite that bad, but like I've worked for a number of people who are pretty full on and you just kind of get on with it. Whereas, yeah. you know, you think, oh, you're a dick and move on. Whereas if it's someone who's just, oh, yeah. you like Bill Lund, but you just be like, oh my God, I hate you so much. Yes, exactly. You can't yeah. get around it. Uh, having a look at some of the answers for this or some of the people that commented on it. Chris Yini said, great cue. What about Frank and Christmas Vacation? That's a great answer, Chris. That guy was an absolute dickhole. M from Verbal Diorama said, my vote goes to Lumberg. I actually only saw Office Space for a first time a few months ago, but he's the worst. Miranda is awesome. I wouldn't want her as my boss, but she's awesome. Also, I think she would get some credit for helping with the Prada persuasion. That's all. Thanks, M. Good little quote at the end. Uh, Julio from The Contrarian said, Zuckerberg's a fucking weasel. At least the other three won't hide behind someone else while you're fucking, while fucking you over. Valid yeah, point. Le- legit. <laughs> Duty said Andy in the office. If it was TV, lol. <laughs> Our good mate Duty yes. from Shaking Not Nerd. He's correct. Paul from the Countdown Podcast, another podcast you guys should all be listening to, said Lumberg because Gary Cole, and he's the closest to reality that we've all experienced. And I think he's got a very yeah. good point there. I've worked yeah. with a Lumberg. I definitely yeah. have worked with a Lumberg. 
That's a yep, story for same. another podcast. That's probably it. Uh, Steve from Everything I Learned from Movies said, Voked for the Fickest Boss, which was Les Grossman. A good mate, Hendo, from the Movie Journey podcast said, Lumberg, absolutely good work, Hendo. Another podcast you guys should all go check out. Kyle and Nick on film said, Colin Farrell's character in Horrible Bosses. Holy shit, that's a good call as well. Yeah. He was such a dick. Yeah, 100%. And over on Instagram, Super Movie Bros, Dave said, Jordan Balfort, compelling character, but fuck, I would hate working for a guy like that and his Hitler-like speeches to rally his troops. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, as soon as you invoke Hitler, all bets are off, right? Yeah. Thanks for the Goblin's Law. <laughs> exactly. I, I never gave my answer. Darth Vader. Fuck working for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess. Who's, who's the other big boss? The Emperor. Yeah, fuck working for both of them. Yeah. At any point you come to work, is I don't like you. What does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, at least yeah. Miranda will just fire you, not like yeah. slice you in half with one of those laser things. Although being tortured slowly by Miranda or having my like being choked from a distance by Darth Vader. You could quit for Miranda. Yeah, exactly. Quitting the Empire is basically getting shot out into space. Pretty much. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that's the end. Thank you to these guys for joining us. Thank you for Liz for coming in the in the studio. This has been amazing. Well done, Liz. Yeah, it's been really fun. Welcome back. Uh and thanks, Stacey. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's been super fun to have Liz here and, yeah, do it all in person. Cool. No idea what's coming up next because we're recording this well ahead of time. Sing Trinians. <laughs> no, that's not happening. <laughs> we're also, it's Machu's birthday week, so we are going to be doing one of Machu's choices for his birthday. He's turning 30 for the 10th time, so there's a good chance that we might be doing the 40-year-old virgin. Because <laughs> <laughs> Machu is. Oh, my God, we should. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Move Reviews In, or you can find us on Facebook, just search out Move Reviews In 20 Qs, or you can send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at Move Reviews In 20 Qs. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's thanks from me. That's all. No, that's all. <laughs> just end the shit. <laughs> Bye. That's all. <laughs> Goodbye. Hello everyone, Sam here again to just give you a little bit of an update on Livestream for the Cure. Dum Dum here did the conversion wrong and actually had the time wrong for New Zealand time. So if you want to watch Livestream for the Cure, it's at midnight on Friday the 21st of May, Eastern Standard Time, which translates to 10pm on Pacific Standard Time on the Friday the 21st. But because we live in the future, that's 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday the 22nd in New Zealand. So if you're one of our loyal New Zealand listeners and you want to listen to us, Saturday 22nd of May, 4pm, we're going to be doing a version of the show live. If you happen to be in Melbourne or Sydney, uh, it'll be 2pm in the afternoon on Saturday the 22nd, or if you're in Perth, it'll be midday, 12 o'clock. In London, unfortunately, it will be 5am on the Saturday morning of the 22nd. So our UK friends, if you want to get up at 5am and support us that'd be great if you sleep through it so be it we'll probably end up putting a recording of the live stream for the cure on online at some point but yeah coming up soon as a promo for it but before we get into that just got to do a quick shout out to m from verbal diorama she had an amazing episode on devil wears prada you guys should all go check it out i mean we've talked shit about it m's been a way more thorough in describing everything that goes into it go go check it out it's great anyway here's the promo My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the 5th Annual Livestream for the Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. 
Over the past four years, the live stream for The Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference.